Welcome to Light Church. We're so glad you could join us for this weekly message. We hope this message leaves you feeling inspired and equipped to be all that you were made to be. Hey, welcome to Light Church. Welcome to our virtual gathering. If this is your first time, I want you to know you are so welcome. If you've been on the journey with us for a while, welcome back. It's so good to see you. Today is a virtual gathering, but it's also a special day for us at Light Church. It is our giving day, where we get to give into our building project, It's Time to Build. It's been amazing to see how God's been moving so far, and it's going to be amazing to see God move when we come together with our finances and put it before God, trust Him with it, and see what He'll do. So I'm excited for all that today's going to bring. But also, if you want any more details on this, you can get in touch at hello at light.church. But for the past four weeks, we've been journeying through a series called Essentials. We've been looking at the key, core, fundamental, non-negotiables of the Christian faith. Kind of looking at what do we actually believe? What are the essentials of our faith? So we've looked at who is God? Who is Jesus? Who is the Holy Spirit? What is salvation? And today is week five. It is the final week of this series. It's been amazing so far. So if you're joining us for the first time, don't worry. Today won't sound weird. It won't sound out of context. It'll just be a standalone, but it's part of a series. So I encourage you, go back to week one, week one of Essentials and Journey Through. But today we're going to be looking at what is the church? What is the church? What are our essential beliefs about the church? We believe that the Bible is the self-definition of God. God reveals himself in the Bible. He tells us about him in the Bible. So we're going to be using tons of scripture today, building this biblical picture of what is the church. Kind of made me think though as I was prepping for this message, have you ever thought about your life and gone like uh, some of the things that you do just because you've always done them? Might be certain routines, things you've done for years or or you, you might even do things just because other people do them, you don't fully realize what you're doing. Like for example, have you ever seen when when someone says something like, oh, I've, I've never been in a car accident, and then they look around for some wood or a table or something, and then they, they knock on it and say, touch wood. And you think, what is going on? And you ask them, why, why do you do that? Why do you, why do you knock you know, on the wood? No one knows. No one knows, but everyone seems to do it. It's like, touch wood, and no one, if there's no wood to find the, the real hardcore people, they'll, you know, what, what does it mean? But people just do it because other people do it. No one has a clue why they do it. And it kind of made me think, is this a little bit of a picture of some Christians or followers of Jesus sometimes, where we do things in church culture or in Christian circles that we just do because we've always done them? Or maybe you're new to church and you've started doing things because you're looking around and being like, oh, the people are doing this. And You've never really like dug into really why we do certain things. So in this series of Essentials, I didn't want to back down from talking about anything. We're going to look at the things that we actually believe. So when it comes to the church, the church is one of those essentials that we have to get our heads around. We have to ask ourselves the questions. Why do we say some of the things that we say? Why do we do some of the things we do? Why should we prioritize the church? Why is it so important? We're going to dig into it today. We're going to kind of look at it, some purposes of the church. And uh, this is in quite a particular order, so just take note of that. And we'll look at that at the end, why it's so important that it's in this order. So, what is the church? Let's begin the purpose of the church. The church belongs to Jesus and it exists for Him. This is a like the primary purpose. The, the church belongs to Jesus and it exists for Him. 
like I said, the Bible is the self-revelation, the self-definition of God. So we're going to use it. See, well, what does God say about himself? What does God say about the church? So if you turn to Matthew 16, 18 to 19, it'll come up on the screen. It says this, this is Jesus's words. He says, and I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. This is Jesus saying, I will build my church. I, Jesus, will build my church. The church belongs to Jesus and it exists for him. That is a primary, primary statement. Jesus says, I will build my church. The church belongs to Jesus. Let's keep going. In Ephesians 5, 25 to 27, the church is described as the bride of Christ. Let me read this. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. The church belongs to Jesus and it exists for him. The the picture here that that Paul is writing about the the uh, writer of Ephesians. He's saying the bride of Christ, like a like in a marriage, and it's the the groom pouring out love and giving himself, and it's like the the bride is the object of the groom's love and affection and focus and attention, and it's just the same. And it says that that the church is to be presented to Jesus. So the church exists for Jesus, and it belongs to Him. So this is what the Bible is saying about the church, that the church is the object of Jesus' affection and his love. He has a special relationship with his church. But what else does the Bible say about it? It also calls the church the body of Christ. Let's look at this, 1 Corinthians 12, 27. It says, now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. You are the body of Christ and each one of you is is a part of it. So this idea that Jesus is the head and we are the body. Like I'm, I want to paint this picture here. There is a biblical image here that the church belongs to Jesus and it follows Jesus. But it has this intimate relationship, this intimate dynamic with Jesus. But oh, what is it? What is the church? So we're painting these pictures. Jesus is saying it's his. He's going to build it. He's saying that his, his affection and his love is poured out. He has this special relationship. It's kind of like the head and the body. The head decides and the body follows that sort of a relationship. But what is it? Well, actually, when Jesus says back in Matthew, that first passage we read out, when he says, I will build my church, this was actually the first time that this word church was mentioned. Now, in the Greek, it's this word ecclesia. Now, this isn't a religious word. It didn't have any religious connotations. It's simply translated assembly or gathering. So when Jesus said, I will build my church, he was saying, I will build my assembly, my people, my gathering. I will build my tribe, my crew, my assembly. So it wasn't a religious word, and I think Jesus did that on purpose. He wasn't trying to perpetuate the religious norms. He was saying, look, I'm building a people. I'm building people that will follow me, that will gather in my name. But this idea of assembly, the Bible would tell of these sort of two expressions of this word assembly. And when we think about the church, when we ask, what is the church? There are these two expressions that we just want to dig into real quickly. There is what's called a heavenly assembly or the the invisible church. 
So a heavenly assembly or the invisible church. Now these are the people that in the past, as in all the way back and in the future and in the present, that have gathered in the name of Jesus. So Jesus followers, the people of God. So the, the invisible church, the heavenly assembly, is this kind of like the, the people that have died, the people that have come, the people that are living now, that are gathering in the name of Jesus, that are followers of Jesus. Now this is obviously from when Jesus came, this new covenant, this new relationship that God made with humanity. So we're not talking about like the people of Israel and God's people in that sense because we've been drafted into that family. The new covenant now means that there is this relationship with humanity that gather under the name and in the light of all that Jesus has done in his resurrection. You can go back to a couple of the other weeks to real dig into that. So I'll just skirt over it right now. So this, this heavenly assembly, like the church, the invisible church, this kind of like this cloud of people it talks about in Hebrews where there's people up in heaven that are kind of like cheering us all on down here because they're part of the same assembly, the same crew. So when you become a Christian, you are drafted in to the invisible church. You are drafted into the people of God. You are drafted in to this heavenly assembly. However, the interesting thing about this heavenly assembly, that is one expression, there is also another expression of the local assembly or the visible church. Okay, so there's the heavenly assembly, the invisible church, everyone who's gone before, everyone to come, everyone who's in in that place now. But there is also the local, the local assembly, the church, the visible church, like light church, like many of the churches around the world that gather in the name of Jesus. The interesting thing is that there's a relationship between the heavenly assembly and the local assembly, the universal church and the particular church. The relationship is this, is that when you are drafted in to that, uh, that heavenly assembly, when you become a Christian, the outworking of that, the evidence of that is to be part of the visible church. So when you are drafted into the invisible church, the manifestation of that or the response, the outflowing of that is for us to be part of the visible church, to be part of the church of Jesus, like you and me. We are part of the church. So it's kind of interesting when we talk about this idea, uh, Jesus actually promises his presence. When we gather together as the physical church, the visible church, when we are, that's like our our response. When we gather in that place, this is what Jesus says. Listen, Matthew 18, he says, For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. Okay, so now we believe that Jesus is omnipresent. He's everywhere. He is with you in your darkest moments on your own. He's with you in the crowds when there's loads of people screaming your name if you're ever in that place. But what this is actually talking about is when people gather together in his name, when people gather together under him, under like to gather in the light of all he's done for us. In, uh, in other words, the church. When we gather together, there is a promise of personal presence of Jesus. God promises to draw close to his church. Like I said, there is a special relationship between Jesus and his church. And when the church gathers together, he promises his presence. Why does this matter? So what? Church then is not just a group of people that all have a similar mindset and want to live a similar way and gather together like the scouts because what else are we going to do? 
you know, let's meet some like-minded people. It is not just a social club where we come together because we believe the same things or because we like the same things. It's not just a place we go to meet people. It's not just a community. The church is actually a heavenly order. It's actually ordained by God. Jesus said, I will build my church. The church was God's idea. The church belongs to Jesus and it exists for Jesus. See, this is important. There is a weight behind it. There is an actual responsibility for us to be part of the visible church. Why? Because we've been drafted into the people of God. And if the visible church is the office of Jesus on this earth, if it is his people, his tribe, his crew, his assembly physically on this earth and we are to be part of that as a response, there is a weight for us to show up. There is a, there is a responsibility, there is an emphasis put on us being part of the church. It's not something nice to do, it is actually something we have to do. Okay, I fully believe you can be a Christian and get to heaven by not being part of the church. Like if you're not part of the church. But you know what? We've not been designed that way. We've been put in a place where God is, is saying, I value my people. I value this office of me, this physical manifestation of me on this earth. And I want you to be part of it. There is a weight behind it. See, gathering is more, more important than just some people coming together. And when I say, I, I might hear some of you say, well, it's COVID. We can't even gather anyway. Well, it doesn't literally just mean that if, if the church gathers together. Because I know this has been a contentious uh, topic for the church over COVID about gathering and not. And, you know, should we listen to the government? Should we not? But you know what? Safety is important. But you know, when we gather, early church couldn't gather in gigantic numbers either. We've been pushing about the idea of life groups. We've been talking about gathering in these virtual gatherings like this, where we can gather under the name of Jesus, like-minded in the, in the spirit. When we say we're gonna to commit to one another to spend this time every Sunday, all in our homes at the same time, that's why we push the live chat. Let's connect with each other. But Jesus says when two or three gather, okay, it doesn't have to be huge numbers. Life groups are so important when we get together as people and just say, yeah, this is what we believe. This is who we are, supporting one another, lifting one another up. It is so important. Why? Because Jesus promises to show up. So many people will say, well, what is the church? The church is God's people on earth, representing all of God's people before. It is the physical office of Jesus on this earth. And there is a weight behind us being part of that. It is a heavenly order. It's not just a good group of people. So the church belongs to Jesus and it exists for him. The second thing is the church exists to grow and equip Christians. Okay, I said there's a specific order. You'll see this journey unfold. The church exists to grow and equip Christians. I want to jump straight into Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11 to 13. And we're going to pick it up. Um, 14 to 16 a little bit later on so I want to read this out at the beginning it says so Christ himself gave the apostles the prophets the evangelists the pastors and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ there is again the body of Christ so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of God. 
I love this. This is a pivotal passage. Again, the Bible is the self-definition of God. And this is what he is saying, that Christ himself, in other words, appointed the church. Why? So that it is the environment to grow and to be nurtured. It is the environment in which we can experience the fullness of God, in which we can grow in maturity. Okay, it's, it's such a huge, huge topic, the church. So like, obviously we can only jump into some major points today. But I want you to know, the church was Jesus' idea. And he is saying that it is the context in which he works on people and shows himself in, in the fullest way. We believe that every single human is an image bearer of God. You bear an image, a part of God. So when we come to church together, and we gather together, we begin to see a bigger, fuller image of who God is. We can learn to be mature. We can learn to be deeper people. We can actually grow in who we are, in our faith, in our knowledge. Even says in the knowledge of the Son of God, we draw closer to God in the context of the church. Okay, now people might say, so you're saying you can't grow in your relationship with God on your own. Yeah, of course you can. But the church is the chosen context of God to draw near to his people. The church is important. I hope you're picking up this, the weight behind this. God has chosen to use the church as his environment, as his context to reveal himself to his people, to draw near to his people, to grow his people. So we become who we were made to be, and the perfect environment for that is the church. So let's carry on. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 14. This is carrying on from before. It says, Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, and by the cunning and craftiness of the people in their deceitful, their deceitful scheming. Verse 15, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow and beco- to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined, joined and held together by every support and ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. I love this. It's saying then we won't be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown around in the wind. Paul is trying to get this image across here that the church is the environment in which we are built up and equipped and grown and and nourished and nurtured. Okay, it's God's chosen environment for growth. What he's basically saying here is that the world is complicated. I don't know if you know this by now, but the world is a crazy place. There are so many things flying around. What's good for you? What's not good for you? The best way to live your life. Try this, buy this, change that. Alter this, become this. Try this to be this person. Don't go near that. Don't do this. There are so many things blowing around. And often when we exist as humans just on our own, like Paul was saying, we, are, we feel like we're battered by the wind and the waves. We just don't know who we are. We just can't seem to become the person we feel that we know that we've been designed to be. Paul is saying that when we are in the church, when we are in the community of the church, it is the environment in which we can actually figure out who we are. It is the environment that in relationship with God, we can nourish that relationship with Jesus. We can grow in that and we can actually find out and become the people we were designed to be. The church is the context in which we can stand strong and be rooted. 
I think this is huge. We are supposed to grow. That's the point. We are supposed to move forward. We are supposed to get better. If you're sad there thinking, like, that's a strange thing to say. Listen, Christians are supposed to get better. This is not something that by the end of your life, you want to be worse than you were 10 years before. No, I hope that the longer we live, the better we get. Why? Because we are more in tune with who Jesus is. We are more like him. We know the voice of God like never before. We've walked with him through the craziest of times. We know the sensitivities of his hand and the way he moves. By the time we reach the end of our lives, we look back and go, I'm better today than I have ever been. We are supposed to get better and the church is the environment where that can happen. Let me read Hebrews 10, 24 to 25 says this, And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. I'll read it again. Not giving up meeting. See, I I find this funny because so often in the West, in the Western world, and we look at church and how often people come, and is it a priority in people's lives and all that sort of stuff, it seems like sometimes church is not prioritized to people. We see people like showing up 15 minutes late when we used to gather, or some people even on virtual gatherings uh, will watch maybe one or two weeks per month or whatever it might be. is isn't a priority. This idea of gathering isn't a priority. And then we see, go, okay, maybe back in the early church, maybe it was more of a priority. And then we see the, the writer of Hebrews just calling people out here saying, look, let's consider how we can actually get better. Let's see how we can actually do this thing properly. And what does he say? Not giving up meeting together. There is something special that happens when we meet together, when we gather Now, again, you might be asking the COVID question, what about now? This sounds like gathering is so important. Should we not be doing it? Look, it doesn't mean we have to physically gather together in these big numbers. It means we need to be together as the church. When two or three gather together, Jesus promises to be there with us. We need to commit to one another to be the church. What does this mean? Faith is not designed to be lived out in isolation. It is designed to be nourished in community. Faith thrives in the church. Faith thrives in community. Maybe this morning you're feeling like, you know what, COVID has been so difficult because I just feel so dry. Can I just say one of the big impacts of COVID if people have, is that people have drawn away from each other. People have taken their foot off, off the, the gas on this one and just been like, you know what, I'm, I'll pick it up when we're done. I'm not really going to get involved in this. It's just too much effort. But the thing is, when you neglect this community of the church, when you push it away, when you don't make it a priority, it's not just like missing a football game on a Sunday. It's not, it's not just like, oh, I'm not going to go to that person's house tonight. I'm not really feeling it. Something happens to our faith. We begin to actually grow cold. It's like that old picture of taking coals out of a fire. And thinking, well, they're red hot in the fire, but as soon as you take them out, they begin to grow cold. There is something special about the church gathered. It is important. It is the context in which God chooses to nourish you as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, as a person. So if you're listening, you're not part of a local church, maybe you're hopping around a little bit. I want to encourage you, get plugged in. Because the only way we are going to get better is better in community. Why? Our faith, our beliefs are challenged when we are in community. 
People won't let you get away with what you will let you get away with. People will help you make better decisions. People will point you to the person of Jesus. People will point you to the person you were made to be. That happens in the context of the church. Let's go on. Let me read from 1 Peter 2 verse 9. It says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. A royal priesthood. When you, are, when you become a Christian, when you are part of this invisible church, there's also something that happens. It says that you are a royal priesthood, a holy people. Now, when we think of the word priest, we often think of like someone who is paid to, to lead a church, kind of like in my position. But actually what the Bible's talking about here is that when you become a Christian, you are made a priest in this invisible church. You carry a responsibility. So when you are part of the visible church, what does this mean? You have responsibility. You have a responsibility just as much as me. Even though this is my job, this is what I am called to do as my occupation, as my profession. We are all called to do this as a response to our faith, in response to what God has put inside of us. So this means you are responsible to pray for the church. You are responsible to give to the church. You are responsible to build the church. You are responsible to serve in the church, to love the church, to protect the church, to make sure that the church is healthy. And you have a part to play in that. Every single one of us, when it talks about the church being a body, and we are all part of it, we have a responsibility. So faith isn't designed to live in isolation and we're supposed to be in the church. And we're also a royal priesthood, this holy nation, this this God's special people. We have a responsibility to further this office of Christ, to further this move of God on this earth, this physical, visible church. We have a responsibility to represent it. I hope I'm painting a picture here that this isn't just something you get to be part of because it's a nice thing. If you call yourself a follower of Jesus and you call yourself a Christian, it is your responsibility. I can stand here and say, we need to give, we need to serve, and it is not for my benefit. It is your response as a Christian to all that Jesus has done for you is to serve and to protect and to be part of his people, part of this assembly. So the church belongs to Jesus, it exists for him. It exists to equip and to grow Christians. And finally, the church exists for those not yet in it. The church exists for those not yet in it. See, there's an interesting dynamic that surfaces when we look at this journey about the church exists for Jesus, exists for Christians, and exists for those not yet in it. And the response is this, the dynamic is this, is that the church becomes missional. It isn't just that the church, when I said it's to equip and grow Christians, not so that we can sit in a room and kind of stroke our intellect or our knowledge or kind of realize how good we are, but it's for a purpose. If we go back to that Ephesians verse from before, it says that to equip the church exists to equip his people for works of service. What does that mean? To do his will. We are the hands and feet of Jesus. If you are in the church, you are a follower of Jesus, you are the hands and feet of Jesus on this earth. It's how he chooses to move. You might say, well, I thought he can do anything. I thought he could do whatever he wants. Yeah, he can, but he's chosen to work through the church. He's chosen you and me as his instruments on this earth. That's not pressure, that's privilege. 
He chooses to work through us. Let me read a couple of verses. Acts 1.8 says this, But you will receive power. This is Jesus speaking here. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, obviously, Jesus is talking to his disciples and he's saying, Look, the Holy Spirit's going to come. We looked at that last week. Holy Spirit's going to come, you're going to experience the move of God and then you're just going to scatter and this thing is going to spread like wildfire. It is a response. We are equipped for a reason. Jesus gives us authority and power. What for? Not to just sit in the walls of the church, not to just say this is how we live, but on mission. We are equipped for works of service. We are equipped equipped to spread this message. Look again. This is what Jesus says, Matthew 28. He says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. This is Jesus' words. He is saying, Look, You've been equipped for something and that something is to go and share what I've done among your neighbors, among the people that are lost and far away, the people that look like they're down and out, the people that need picking up, the people that think they've got it all together, the people far away, the people who think they're close. People need to hear this message and God has chosen you to carry it. The church is a centrifugal organization. That means it goes from the center out. I said this was a particular order. What I mean by this is that sometimes we think that our job is to to go from the outside, take people who don't know anything about Jesus and bring them in and carry them to Jesus. But that's not actually the process of how this goes. The process of the church is we encounter Jesus. We encounter Him and His transformational work and power in our lives. Then we are equipped in the context of the church. And then the outflowing is that is we want to tell our neighbors. Neighbors, we want to tell the world. We want people to experience that same transformational experience that we did. Why? Because it happened to us. Why? Because we are equipped in it. We know who we are. We have a purpose and a mission. So what does this mean? We're coming in to close. What does this mean? The church is not a retirement home for Christians. It's not a place where you become a Christian, you get your life together, you learn all the essentials, you learn everything you need to know. I've got my statement of faith on this. I know what I believe on this, 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 and this. And then sit in a retirement home watching daytime TV. And the equivalent of that is reading tons of leadership books and reading loads of stuff and just puffing up that that knowledge and, and reading this and watching that podcast and knowing everything about it, but never leaving the chair. The church was never designed to be a retirement home. The church was a place, it's like a lifeboat. It goes out into the messiness and pulls people that are just adrift, pulls them in and says, let me tell you about something that will change your life. We are hope bearers. We are light bearers in a very dark world. In Matthew 5, 14, it says that you don't put a light under a bucket. Okay, you actually let it shine. And he's talking about us. We are the light of the world. Why? Because Jesus has breathed his power into us. Therefore, go and actually shine. You know, some people ask us, why do you guys care so much about the way things look? Why do you care about the way things sound? And like, why do you like paint stuff and try and make things look nice? And why do you care about the, the music? And why do you so intentional about all these little things that aren't really critical to 
faith. I'll tell you why. It's because we care about people experiencing Jesus. Every little detail needs to scream of the excellence of Jesus, needs to point to the person of Jesus. When you ask, why do we care so much about the details? It's because we have an hour on a Sunday morning. I want people to look at it and say, why do they care about this message so much? So when we invest in our media, when we invest in creative stuff, when we put time and effort and money into making things as good as they possibly can be, we put time into producing our music, we put time into branding stuff properly, when we do things in the community, it's all good practice and everything, it's like a spirit of excellence, why? Because every single part of it needs to point to the person of Jesus. That is the why behind all this stuff, it's not just for cool things, it's not just so we can be a vibey church, it's not just so things can look good and we can feel better about ourselves, it's because we wanna demonstrate to the world that we have been transformed and we want to remove any unnecessary non-essential hurdle to the gospel as possible so you know what if I was talking and the mic was all crackly and it didn't really sound right and someone thought I can't listen to that that is a barrier to the message they ain't gonna even hear the message they're gonna turn it off we want to make we want to remove all of these obstacles and create clear pathways so people can hear the message of Jesus that is why we spend so much time on the details This is talking about Light Church specifically. We care about removing these non-essential barriers to the message and person of Jesus. Yeah, Jesus can move despite all those things. Yeah, he can move when the mic is crackling. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying we have a responsibility to create clear pathways to Jesus. So as a church, maybe you've been asking those questions at Light Church thinking, why do we do that stuff? That's why we do it. I want people to look at these virtual gatherings and say, they care about this. There is something significant about the things they are saying because it's being demonstrated by how much time and effort and precision that they're putting into it. So the church exists and belongs to Jesus. It exists to grow and equip Christians. What for? It exists for those who are not yet in it. It exists for mission. So maybe you've been listening this morning and you've been intrigued by this faith. You've been like, well, I've kind of dipped into church a little bit. And now I'm starting to hear that Jesus has chosen this church to be the place. It's like the plant pot in which I grow to be the person I'm supposed to be. I think I want to know this guy. I think I want to know this God. And we talk about the church is a people that gathers in the name of Jesus in the light of all of he's done for us. And you think, well, I think I want to, I think I want to know this person. This person that loves us so much. The God who who loves us and has a plan and a purpose for our lives. That He knows our name. He knows our past. He knows our future. And He sent Himself down to this earth to live a human life. To die a horrible death on a cross. To be buried in the ground. And three days later, raising again. Beating death and sin and shame. And ascending back to heaven in power and in glory. Why? For you and for me. So we could be restored back to God, back to the Father. So we can actually have a shot at being the people we were designed to be. If you want to know that God, you want to follow that Jesus, you want to be a person that steps across that line of faith this morning, all you have to do is pray a simple prayer. Jesus, I give you my life. I'm sorry for all the things I've done. I give you my life. Today will be a day that changes your life forever. And maybe you're listening this morning, you think, you know what? I've been part of church for a long time and I've 
maybe got stuck on stage two. I've been grown and equipped, but I haven't got my head around this idea of, of mission. I haven't really spoken to my neighbors about anything that I believe. I haven't really taken any of this knowledge I've got and actually put it into practice. Well, today is a day where you can also cross that line and say, you know what? I am going to exist to be the person that God has called me to be and to be nourished and to be part of this visible move of Jesus on this earth. I hope we as Light Church can cross that line today and say, you know what? We are going to be people that aren't satisfied with just the people in the room. We are grown and equipped for a reason to worship and to reach people. So maybe that has been a challenge for you today. I hope it has. I hope we've journeyed through some stuff so that we can see exactly what we believe through the, the last five weeks. It's been a journey and I've been so excited and encouraged to see so many people responding to this and saying, oh, I've needed to hear this stuff. I've known it, but I've just seen it in a different way. I really believe that as people, if we are grounded, we know what we believe. We can be used by God in crazy ways because we aren't getting caught up, falling down on things that we should know. We're grounded, we're rooted, we know who we are. So it's been amazing. I'm just going to close in prayer. And I really want to encourage you today to take those steps, whether it's to cross that line of faith for the first time or to kind of become that missional response, that outflowing of who we are. If either of those are you, I'm just going to pray for you. So if, if you would get yourself into a posture where you would just be open for God to do something in your life today, I promise he will do something and move in your life right now in a way he's never done before. Father God, I want to thank you for your presence. I thank you for your amazing office, this amazing manifestation of your power and presence on this earth known as the church. God, I thank you for the privilege it is that we actually can do this in public when so many Christians around the world do not have that privilege. God, I pray that you would stir something in us, that we would learn to serve and protect and give and, and champion your church. That as we have this privilege to be part of your people. And God, I pray for those people that maybe stepped across the line of faith for the first time today. Holy Spirit, would you flood their lives right now with your peace and with your grace. God, we thank you that you are a God who wants to, who wants to be in relationship with us so much so that you came after us. May that be a revelation to us today. We thank you for everything that you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. Like I said, it's been such an incredible journey in this series of essentials. I encourage if you've missed any, go back and catch up. My heart is that we will actually step into being the people that God has designed us to be, being the church that God has designed us to be. If you made that decision for the very first time, we'd love to hear off you. We'll speak to you in just a few minutes about what those next steps could look like. But we love you. Thank you for tuning in this morning. We will see you same time, same place next week. You've been listening to a weekly message from Light Church. If you would like any more information, you can find us online or on social media. Thanks for listening.